0: Every one of you who confesses Jesus as Lord of the Universe signs up for a significance beyond anything you ever dreamed, and I mean business men and women here, homemakers, students. To belong to Jesus is to embrace the nations. Your heart was made for this.
1: Ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Made for Missions podcast, where our heart is to mobilize Christians towards the Great Commission. For more information, go to my website at mikefalkenstein.com. That's mikefalkenstein, f-a-l-k-e-n-s-t-i-n-e.com. Thanks for joining us. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us for this, the 32nd episode of the Made for Missions podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. I am Mike Falkenstein, one of your hosts, and I'm here again today with Ken Watmore. And uh, Ken, you've, you've got a lot, it seems like your life is full and you got a lot going on, huh?
2: Definitely a lot going on. We're uh, inducing labor tonight Wow! Uh, for our sixth child. That's and, awesome. Uh, yeah, we're excited.
1: Yeah, that's really awesome. That's great yeah so it's um i'm excited about this episode ken because uh, i think as we mentioned in episode number 30 we have a new podcast template that we want to introduce today and we are calling it the made for missions country profile and of course as we mentioned a couple episodes ago the idea here is that for those that have a heart for a particular country that we would introduce sort of five areas of information for folks to be able to effectively do ministry in that place and so we've got a brief history of the country history of missions the current state of the Christian church, biggest obstacles for the growth of Christianity, and current needs and opportunities. And I'm hopeful, again, as it sort of would follow our mission of the podcast, which is to mobilize people towards the Great Commission and Great Commission fulfillment. And so, uh, you know, of course, it just kind of made sense for us to do our first one on China given that's been the lion's share of my experience and, you know, gives people kind of an idea of what this is going to look like. And so, uh, yeah. Are you ready to get started? Yeah. I think this will be a great, great.
2: So, and I I think as we talked, we're going to kind of maybe change roles a little bit for this episode and I, yeah, because this is really your wheelhouse, you know, the the answers to the questions that we want to talk about today. So, uh, you know, I wanted to ask you a few things that could encourage our listeners to kind of evaluate uh, maybe these five questions or these five uh, maybe information segments, right, that that talk about uh, missions in a particular country, giving a country profile as it relates to maybe getting started in missions there. Mm -hmm. So I I think what we'll talk about today will help anyone who is uh, just starting in the idea of missions, uh, whether it's short-term or long-term, it's the idea of going to a new place, right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, mm-hmm. uh, maybe joining a group that's already there, but not well-established, or maybe it's, uh, starting something that's all brand new. I think these kind of questions, or at least, uh, uh like I said, information segments will address the things that you really need to focus on to, you know, to, to be effective in, in the mission and to be well prepared. Right. So, yeah. Right. So Mike, you kind of outlined some things that, uh, that you wanted to go over as we go through country profiles and yes. starting, we're going to start with China, like you said, because that is, you know, where you've been involved mm-hmm. for such a long time and you know That's so much right. about the country and the people and kind of the, there, there's been a perception out there about what missions look like in a place like China. That's uh, right. And I know that, uh, you and your ministry through China Resource Center kind of broke the mold on what was really happening there mm-hmm. and and maybe even made it a lot easier to do missions work in China. Mm. Um, and certainly there's probably questions that guys like me have. Is there still uh, a lot of, say, persecution or yes. a lot of curtains drawn over what's really going on there? Or is it still a real open field? But we'll get to that. I just wanted to okay, great. Uh, start talking to you about the uh, the things that that we want to outline in every country and first would be you know a brief history of the country China in this episode um, can you tell us a little bit about it certainly China's been been a country for one of the maybe one of the oldest countries yes uh, in the in the world and we want to find out there's Certainly, no way you can sum this up in two minutes, but give us a little history of China
1: yes, so uh, you know when we when I was going through this and trying to think through what to say, obviously, there is no brief history of China because, as you mentioned it 's one of the oldest uh, civilizations on earth, has a five thousand year continuous history, something by the way, that the Chinese people are you know very, very proud of but if if you were to give a brief history of the country. Obviously, there was sort of the lion's share of that 5,000 years of history has has been a a sort of a dynastic, you know, emperor-type system. And so you would go, you know, emperor by emperor, you know, dynasty by dynasty all the way through. And then, you know, once you get to the 1700s, late 1700s, early 1800s, uh, kind of the next stage of Chinese history is... China's beginning of contact with the west right and so uh and that that deals also with sort of the history of missions which we'll talk about next but certainly the China for most of its history thought of itself as What would they would call the Middle Kingdom? In fact, in Chinese, the way that you say China is Zhongguo, which means Middle Kingdom. So, they thought they were the kind of the center of the world, the center of the universe. Uh, They were cut off from, you know, anyone else around the world for most of their history, and so. When they began to have uh, impact or, or uh, engagement with the West, it was it was odd because they didn't really know for a long time quite what to do with that, and so and so you have sort of that period of history, and then kind of the final stage would be from 1949 until present, which is you know the kind of the China under communist rule, mm. and even with that, there's been a lot of uh, change, right? So there was an initial period of communist rule where they were also they kind of went back and cut themselves off from the West in the early 1980s. Then they had a change in leadership. Those leaders said, no, we need to kind of re-engage with the, the world. And so then from just call it 1982 until the future, there's been kind of this, yeah, we're communists, but we're becoming less so, you know, especially in terms of their market economy. And so, so yeah, and as as quickly as I could give a brief history of the country, that's kind of the. Maybe two or three stages of you know of Chinese history,
2: and we're and we're still sitting in that last stage. Yeah, now. that's right. Yeah. yeah,
1: that's right. Yeah, just, we're still so a little sitting. different leadership. Yeah, that's yeah. right.
2: So with that, I mean the history of missions in China. I mean, how far back can we go and trace? uh, you know, missionaries going into China. I I imagine it's, you know, thousands, you know, a thousand years maybe, uh, that you can see some people trying to influence.
1: Well, you know, interestingly, uh, it really begins in sort of the, the late 1700s, uh, early 1800s. So it's, you know, what we would, in terms of the 5,000 years, Uh you know, sort of relatively recent. And so the early missionaries, Largely came from England as a part of a larger effort by the West to, to begin trade with China, and so a lot of times the early early missionaries actually came on these ships with the uh, with these traders, as serving sometimes as translators and so and so yeah you're you're really talking about kind of early 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 1800s kind of the main push then was uh, Hudson Taylor and uh, his effort in the mid1800s to push into the inland parts of China so there's you know the what for them is the East coast and there are those cities that are just easy to get to because they're you know, on the coast. Mm -hmm. And so his push to get missionaries into the inward parts of China uh, in the, in the mid 1800s is kind of the main, you know, we're talking about now hundreds of people that, that, that were, that felt called to be involved in China. That then led to a reaction by the Chinese who felt that they were the middle kingdom. You know, they were superior. Mm -hmm. The, the, the Westerners also thought they were superior to the Chinese, and so that that caused a reaction. So, in the early 1900s, then, you have the Boxer Rebellion and the, you know, really Chinese uh, physically, violently reacting to this, you know, this inward push. Kind of like, we don't want you here, you know? Mm. And so... And so eventually the the missionaries were able to sort of win over more and more people and show that they were just trying to be salt and light and helpful. And, you know, and that's, that was really one of the main contributions that Hudson Taylor did was earlier missionaries were, you know, in these conclaves uh, by themselves, kind of isolated from the Chinese. And then they'd go into Chinese dominated areas of cities. And Hudson Taylor was, no, we need to dress as they do you know, uh, eat what they eat, you know, learn the language, all of that. And mm-hmm. so, so it was really that push. I mean, he really did the best job of, of, uh, winning many Chinese souls. And so uh, we get all the way up until the 1940s where there's large, you know, many hundreds of thousands of Chinese now that have accepted Jesus. And they, then the communists took over and kicked out all the Westerners so then we see a period in terms of history of missions, kind of a kind of that early communist period where there we didn't know what was happening with these Christians. and so and in probably what is one of the best stories of uh, what happened during this period is that when the Westerners were kicked out, we know for sure that there were about seventy thousand Chinese Christians confirmed. And it wasn't until we got to 1982 when we could begin to get some people back in there to find out, and they found out that during the period of persecution, massive, severe persecution, the under-persecution, the numbers of Christians went from about 70,000 to uh, somewhere well over 700,000 Chinese Christians with no Western involvement. And And so then as we were sort of entering this period of uh, reopening in the early 1980s, of course, kind of the final period is what I would call sort of a resurgence of Christian activity, primarily through English teachers, you know, going to China. Uh, And so from there, then, we began to have just opportunity to have sort of salt and light, and we see that there are, you know, numbers of Christians growing again, and kind of that seed that was planted by Hudson Taylor and his Folks, you know, uh, was still there. I mean, there was still kind of this faithful uh, band of, you know, believers. Mm-hmm. And so uh, until today, where, you know, again, we get next into the, kind of the current state of the Christian church. And yeah, I mean, there's a thriving, very vibrant uh, Christian activity. But as it relates to the history of missions now, the Western. Uh, involvement in China has changed quite a bit. And so we're even going through that with the China Resource Center where it's been doing rural church building and uh, Bible distribution. And there's just not as much of a need anymore because the Christian church in China is grown enough and strengthened enough where they just don't, you know, they don't need us anymore. Right. They're,
2: they're moving forward on their own. Now. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. Which really in terms of a, being a missionary or a missionary sending agency, that's kind of what you're looking for is to eventually work yourself out of a job, right? right. So
2: yeah that makes perfect sense,
1: I think probably, and I know you uh, you have you have
2: a great book called the Chinese Puzzle, and I would mm-hmm. encourage the listeners to get that because the, I think some of the questions that we we wouldn't have time for in one episode would be you know we we've heard so much about the persecution of the Christian Church in places like China um, and there's a period obviously where that was pretty significant um, in these dates that we 're talking about. You know, and I think, would you say that to some extent, there's places where that's still happening today?
1: Oh, sure. Okay. Oh, sure. Uh, It's much less, obviously. Again, you're right. It would take, uh, probably could do a whole episode on this, but certainly- kind of the one, one sentence statement that I often say is that the, the Chinese government more and more is seeing Christians, and Chinese Christians in particular, as a benefit to their society. So they've loosened a lot of the restrictions that they've had. You know, I always tell people, um, you know, the, one of the projects that we've been doing is rural Bible distribution, using Bibles that are now printed in China hmm. from the, the the printing press is called the Amity Printing Company, And it's the world's largest Bible printing facility, uh, printing 7 million Chinese Bibles a year. And so uh, that's just a good indication, right? If you want to persecute Christians, you don't allow, you know, that's the first thing you actually take away from the Christians is Bibles. You don't allow the publication of Bibles in your country. So it's, I think, an indication of that, yeah, they're they're loosening a lot of the restrictions.
2: Yeah, what an interesting uh, dichotomy in our time, right? That this communist controlled country, mm-hmm. uh, is seeing the benefit of Christians in society. And yet our free society here in America is, uh, treating Christians like they're the detriment to society. <laughs> that's know? right. It's an interesting And thing
1: yeah, more like, and more people are kind of, you know, as I talk about China, they often say that it's like, gosh, they're on kind of this, this increase of activity. Yeah. We're on sort of a decrease and it is a very strike yeah. contrast.
2: Well, interesting. And we uh, will continue this. I know we'll take a quick break here. Uh, okay, to, great. And Tom Moeller, as always, will mm-hmm. give us a little information. Um, but I do want to encourage the listeners again, before we come back, that uh, they can check out your book, The Chinese Puzzle. Um, they can they can get a hold of that at mikefalkenstein.com. That's right. Uh, and follow you on Twitter at missions mike. Follow me at Ken Watmore. But we'll be back in a few moments to talk a little bit more about this.
0: Hi, I'm Tom Muller. There may be many of you who are confused about China and the most effective ways of Christian engagement. Mike Falkenstein has written this book for you. There is much confusion and many questions persist about China. Does persecution exist? Can Christians in China worship freely? Is it still necessary to smuggle Bibles? Being outside of China, how can I most effectively pray for and engage in God's work in China? Are China's unregistered churches able to worship freely? Many people are confused by these questions and issues. China is like a huge puzzle with many pieces and moving parts. It's hard to identify all that's happening today in China. In his book, The Chinese Puzzle, Mike gives you the other pieces for a much clearer picture of China and her church. To get your copy today, contact Mike at mike.com at ChinaResourceCenter.org for pricing and shipping options. Contact Mike today.
2: Well, thanks for coming back in with us to talk a little bit more about China in our Made for Missions Country profile series here. And Mike has been telling us a little information, uh very interesting about, and I feel like, I will have to say, I feel like there's just so much more, uh, like we, we could really spend a lot of time yeah. on each of these countries. Um, mm-hmm. but, the, but the idea behind this is to give a brief, uh, short profile for the countries, That's for right. those who are considering missions, mm. uh, or feel drawn to a certain place, and um, and we'll go through a series of different countries. But now we're talking about China. China is a place that you know and love and uh, mm-hmm. probably understand better than the majority of us, for sure. And we left off with, we were kind of in the midst of the current state of the Christian Church there, and I think we can just kind of segue right into the next thing, which is what are the biggest obstacles to the growth of Christianity in China?
1: Okay, so I'll kind of hit both of those because there is a bit more to say about the the current state of the Christian Church. The uh, you know the Christian Church in China today sort of runs along sort of two tracks. So there's a there is a registered church, um, and a lot of people don't quite get you know because from the American perspective, we don't quite get what that what that means. But, you know, a lot of my European friends, German friends, you know, there's a Lutheran church in Germany that has a sort of official relationship with with the state. And so they kind of understand that better. But I would just sort of say that that's a, it's an interesting, the, the registered church in China is interesting because it started off as a way for the communist government to sort of really control you know, the, you know, Christianity in their country, it's turned out to be a pretty cool deal because as, as things have, re, as things have relaxed, their relationship now with the state is more kind of like, I would sort of liken it to what we have in America where, you know, churches here have to register with the IRS. You've got to file your reports and, you know, you can't have, you know, in the same way that uh, the IRS doesn't want any sort of illegal activity going on, you know they don't want that either in China. Uh, there is the second track, which is now called. It used to be called sort of the underground church. Mm-hmm. Later, it was called the house church, and now it's just sort of this un. There's an there's a registered church and an unregistered church. The on the unregistered side, that's kind of gone from being sort of in the background, hidden, to you know much less hidden. In fact. In the second edition of my book, I mention in the the one of the new chapters in the second edition, the I do a chapter on the unregistered church as sort of a uh, urban unregistered church in Beijing as a survey of unregistered churches everywhere in China. And so now what you see is uh, maybe a uh, much more interplay between registered and unregistered. Someone might go to an unregistered Bible study um, Wednesday nights, but it's Sundays they go to the register church for uh, for their their Sunday service. Uh, of course, the registered church is where these Bibles are sold, so it's a safe, reliable source for, for Bibles. And so you have you know much sort of much more interplay between the two. In terms of biz, biggest obstacles of the growth of Christianity, you know, again, I would have sort of two things to say about that. One is in urban areas you know, these urban Christians and urban people generally in China are doing well financially. Mm -hmm. And so actually they're beginning to get into sort of what we've had in our Western church, which is, you know, materialism, possessions, and those things becoming kind of number one on the list of our lives and of of importance rather than, you know, (laughs) God being number one. Right. And so they're having, you know, they're having to battle some of that a little bit. Uh, I would say in the in the rural areas where we do a lot of our work probably the biggest obstacles is just sort of again kind of resources and so one of the big things in our ministry we've been trying to do is to say okay urban church you've got these opportunities in your own country to minister in rural areas mm. uh, there's no need for us to come as westerners you have the money to build churches and to build training centers and to do your stuff so you know we're trying to encourage them to do it themselves i mean take some of that wealth and you know so so yeah that's probably the two biggest obstacles on the urban side you've got kind of materialism that's really taking over on the rural side inaccessibility because some and sometimes there's no good roads that go out to these places but then also just resources in terms of you know these people are making a couple bucks a week yeah you know so they just don't have the resources to do much
2: Hmm. That's interesting. And I, again, to look at probably where the church as a whole suffers the, you know, the most in, in its growth across the the, the globe, I should say, is when people start to get comfortable. Mm-hmm. That's um, right. They start to turn away from God. And we notice that here certainly. And, and elsewhere, uh, it seems like that is the beginning of the decline of the church in every place is That's right. when people start to get more comfortable, uh, and relaxed, they relax, not just their trust in the Lord, um, but they also relax the, uh, the discipline and the uh, foundational doctrine that, that God has given us in his word. Yeah, that's yeah. right. That's right. Interesting. So if you were looking at um, where the, where missions is at in China now, yes. um, what, I mean, what are the Bible printing press? Yes. Um, they're, they're obviously making uh, some great advances. The church is moving forward on its own now in the country with people from the country. Wh- what are the needs? Uh, if we're looking at it from the outside that the yes. missions missions work needs in China.
1: Yeah. I would sort of say there's uh, two or three things and it, it has changed. So I'll, you know, on the one side of what, what they don't need from us anymore, I don't know that they need a lot of us to go to do evangelism there mm. in kind of this traditional way of, you know, you go and you teach English or you, you know, whatever. Again, if there's one thing that we don't need to teach the Chinese about, it's it's sharing the They're so great at sharing the gospel. Mm. And the, the example I give about that a lot of times is, you know, we go out to these rural areas and this is now happening in urban areas too, uh, which is an interesting dynamic. But they're telling us that they're baptizing 500 new believers a year. Wow. And these are just churches that have no material resources at right. all, right? And this is just a total spirit work. I mean, it's just the spirit at work mm-hmm. in these places. And there's not a, probably a lot of places in America or Canada or the West where we're seeing 500 new believers a year, right? So, right, and especially and,
2: in rural areas. You're talking about like literally like far, farmland and- Oh yeah. yeah,
1: well, right. And so now a lot of these rural people uh, who have kind of this passion for evangelism are coming to urban areas because that's where a lot of the, that's where a lot of the job opportunities are. And so now we're seeing this in urban areas too. So, uh, but in terms of needs and opportunities, really we're, we're looking at things like, uh, there's a desperate need for theological training, both in urban and rural areas. And so, uh, with our ministry, we're trying to address that directly uh through some some pretty unique ways and so that's been fun but certainly yeah theological training you know when you talk about a churches that are having f- 500 new believers a year without a lot of theological depth mm-hmm. you know you you see a church that's a, you know an inch deep and a mile wide right so that's certainly a need probably the other need that that we still have is in china today there's let's just call it 350 people groups who do not have a portion of scripture in their own language and they would be considered unreached or even unengaged. And so that's certainly a need. So for people who really have a heart for China, you know, we could connect them with people that could help them to identify a people group just to begin to pray for. So the quick example I can give is we're looking at helping with Bible translation for the first time, something that we've not done before with a people group called the Sanlongchong. And so Chung people, very few of those people speak the national language of Mandarin. They have their own distinct language. They have no, no Christians within what is probably 20,000 people. And, uh, obviously for people in the West to be go, okay the Long Chong, we wanted to first begin to pray, begin to see what we can do, go visit those areas and develop relationships. And uh, it would only take 350 churches to take one of these groups each Hmm. to go, that's where we're going to focus, you know, and we're going to be able to, yeah, we're going to help Wycliffe Bible translators, you know, get a Bible in their language. And we're going to send some people to do evangelism, you know, and so that would probably be the other main opportunity is these 350 people groups.
2: Interesting. So, yeah, I, I I don't think, uh, I I don't think I realize, well, I know I didn't realize, um, I I just don't think I would have imagined there's still that many people in a country like China, Mm -hmm. um, that are, would be considered unreached because of a differing language. How many languages are there in China?
1: Yeah, it's a very good question. There are some fifteen hundred uh, people groups, mm. and uh, they probably don't all have a, their own distinct language, but many of them do. Sure. So, so there's a lot. There's a lot of them, and you know, a lot of these. Part of the reason you know hear about this, sort of long story short, ninety four percent of the population of China is one of these people groups. It's called mm. the Han Chinese and they speak Mandarin, and that's the national language, and that's where we've done all our ministry in the past. Right. There are, especially along kind of the southern border of China, southern and southwest China, where these, you get up into the mountains, you know, like where we're going, it's the, you know, these people groups live in the mountains that that are approaching Tibet, oh, wow. you know, some of the yeah. tallest mountains, the, the tallest mountains in the world. Sure. So, you know, they're just, it's very inaccessible. You know, it's very hard to... You know, it's very hard to get into some of these areas, and so, so because they're up in the mountains, you just don't hear about these people. Really, right. is what happens. So
2: that makes sense. And are these languages where the uh, so take uh, countries in South America? You know, sometimes the language is very similar from place to place, but there's just a few little slight changes. Are these dramatically different? Languages? Yeah, these are
1: very distinct and different. Yeah.
2: yeah. Well, that's it. See, I have curiosity in these topics when we talk about countries too. That's amazing to me. Well, uh, with that, I would just say, you know, having gone through this, what, what would be maybe your wrap up on, uh, on China's country profile, um, you know, obviously we see the current needs and opportunities, but also maybe, you know, is the the best way to pray is just right now for that particular people group, because that's where we need to reach them um, or who we need to reach the most. Yeah. Right now. You
1: know, I would say a couple of things in terms of, the, you know, first steps that people could do. Obviously begin to pray, see how God wants to, to lead you. Uh, you know, there are some pastors, for example, that just have a deep heart for theological training. And so they'll mm-hmm. say, hey, yeah, we'd love to contribute to the deeds the of theological training, uh, they can then go to our, our website, chinaresourcecenter.org, mm-hmm. and contact us. Uh, in terms of the unreached people groups, uh, there's a there's a ministry called the Joshua Project, mm-hmm. and they've listed on their website all of the some 6,000 people groups around the world, mm-hmm. and then they can just plug in. It's a great tool. They can just plug in China, and then all, just all the ones in China will will come up and then it'll list, you know, the situation of that people group, you know, whether there's any kind of translated Bible in that language. Uh, And then, you know, I I would just say, begin praying through the list and Mm. you might just go, yeah, these, you know, these Chang people, we'd love to, you know, because God will do that, right? I mean, God will lead people accordingly to how. And again, it would only take 350 churches that would be willing to do that to, meet the need. And then all those people of, of over time would be reached and engaged and have a Bible. And yeah. so, I mean, that's a, a larger part of kind of our made for missions emerging message is, it seems like after 2000 years, uh, this, this job of getting to these unreached people should have already been done. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so at least we want to encourage people to go, okay, it's not done. Let's go, let's go do it. Let's go finish it.
2: Right, and not rely on the things like, I mean, I I hear a lot that people say, well, with technology today, and even I would say with technology today, you know, people are getting reached more and more, but you're talking about areas where technology is not... That's (laughs) right. ...non-existent. There's really very little. I mean, they
1: may now have some cell phone technology, but that's probably about it. Interesting. Well, thanks again for walking
2: through this with us, and we'll continue to go through these country profiles. Uh, And again, I just want to say, if people want to follow Mike, um, you can get to him on Twitter as the, the... Probably one of the best ways, because I know he's real active on Twitter, Mm. uh, is his handle. And then uh, you can go to MikeFalkenstein.com. Uh, And of course, I don't want to leave out the ChinaResourceCenter.org as well. Yeah. Um, Yeah, Particularly for this
1: episode. uh, Absolutely. So,
2: well, thank you for joining us. We really uh, Mm -hmm. love talking about uh, these countries. And I know
1: Mike loves particularly talking about China. So thank you. Thanks, (laughs) Mike. Yeah, that's great. Thanks, everyone, for joining us. And we'll look forward to having you on the next episode of the Made for Missions podcast.